Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1103, air date September 14th, 2022. Good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Adure. Um, we've been very busy. As some of you may know, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time scientist uh, working at Cytosolve, which is our company that does um, really uh, look at a way to revolutionize medicine. We've created a platform that has some very powerful technology that allows us to really find combinations of things that work. And we've made some major breakthroughs. We've been working on a science paper that's about to come out. In fact, two of them. And I'll share more about that. So I've been a little bit delayed. Uh, last week, I believe I did a... Um, analysis on looking at the queen and let me just connect my for my Facebook people I mean for my Instagram people up so they don't get um, I did an analysis um, of um, we did an analysis of the queen and what the uh, death of the queen means and I hope everyone goes looks at it I think it got a, a lot of viewership because people are very interested in getting a non-woke, non-anti-woke you know, anti -woke analysis, a real systems analysis. So I hope people go have a chance to look at that. But in that analysis, we really shared that the queen really represents liberal imperialism. And you'll understand what that really means. So I hope everyone has a chance to go look at that. Today, we're gonna to be talking about um, the sort of the sequence to that, which is really about Charles becoming queen and what this means to the British people and the world. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So it's about Charles III becomes king, what this means to the British people, and what it really means, uh, say, to the world. Okay. And as many of you know, we take a systems approach in everything we do. We don't want to take a left-wing approach or a right-wing approach. Unfortunately, what happens is whenever there's real truth that comes out, either the left or the right tries to grab hold of it and then tries to grift off of it or tries to attack it because it goes against something that they don't want you to like. So um, the analysis of the queen, um, we want to thank, uh, who is this? Uh, Mumtaz Shamsi. Thank you very much for your um, generous donation. But um, so today we're going to be really going at understanding what does Charles becoming king really mean? But more importantly, um, as a part of that analysis, I'm going to go through a the whole history going all the way to 1066. Some of people may not even know this monarchy goes all the way back to 1066. You know, that's over uh, almost a thousand years ago. Okay. So I'm going to sort of give you a quick synopsis of where all this started in 1066. I mean, it goes back further, but we're going to take that because that's at the point of William the Conqueror. So you're going to get a detailed analysis of where Charles stands because it's really important to understand history. And I want to also thank uh, Maggie M for her super sticker. Thank you. So we're going to do a deep analysis starting from 1066 to where we are today. And then I think the deep understanding that you're going to get today is to really understand what is a royalty really mean? And what does royalty mean? And why are all these 
major leaders. Yes, she lived for 70 years, but why is this so big news? And we're going to do an analysis of that. Why is there so much media attention on this? Why has there been so much media attention on royalty? Not only the royal family, but you also have the U.S. royalty, right? The Kennedys and Hollywood, et cetera. And you're going to realize that what's really going on is that fundamentally at a deep level that we have a machine, a PR machine, a machine that really is about making masses of people give up their power, making them ignorant. And we'll get to that analysis. But we're going to do, as we say, a historical systems analysis. That's what we're going to do. Okay. So just a quick review for those of you who are new. I always like to do this. Um, you can go to vashiva.com if you want to find more about all the different things that we do from our movement to Cytosoft to Systems Health, etc. So I encourage everyone to go do that. But one of the things we teach, uh, as many of you know, um, every Mondays, we have a class we teach. In fact, we have it across two time zones. We really teach people a systems approach to look at the world. And this is what is necessary right now. Otherwise, more and more people get lost between the left and the right. They become complacent or they become depressed or they become desperate. But there is a systems understanding. There's a scientific approach to really see things as they are. And that approach is called the systems approach. This is just a glimpse of it. These are the three of the nine principles we teach in the class. Freedom, truth, and health are these three principles. Without freedom, the movement of information, matter, and energy, you can't really get to truth, which is really about the conversion process of taking all sorts of ideas, having debate, applying the scientific method, and coming to truth. Truth is really a verb. It's a process. And when you have truth and freedom, you get to health, economic health, physical health, infrastructure health. And this helps, gives us wherewithal to fight for truth and freedom. So I bring that up because from that foundation standpoint, and there's, many, there's six other principles, I encourage all of you to become, use a truth, freedom, and health system. I'll come back to that. I'll show you more about that. But you'll get a deeper understanding how to look at anything in the world, your own body, your health, et cetera. Um, and uh, all of you are interested in that, please go to truthfreedomhealth.com to learn more. Um, Tomorrow, there will be two sessions, Thursday at 11 and 8 p.m. It's about an hour. We do it for both time zones, you know, uh, time zones in Europe and Middle East and Africa and India, as well as here. But you can have a chance to directly interact with me and other uh, members uh, or other educators. So I welcome you to do that. But let's jump in. So last week, I went through a detailed analysis and I shared with you um, the British East India Company. I went through this entire history, if you remember, starting from the 1600s, um, when the East India Company came to India, all the way through 1757, when the East India Company, which was a business of the British Empire, took over India. And then from 1757 to 1857, we talked about how the East India Company essentially ruled and step-by-step step took over India, and how in 1857, there was a rebellion in India, and that's when the British Empire stepped in, and then you have the British Raj coming in. Um, so it's a long period of Indian history, and during this period is when Britain grew extremely wealthy. With its pillaging of India, um, the recent analysis by an Indian economist showed Britain took away $43 trillion from India, $43 trillion, okay? So it was during this period of from 1600 all the way to 1857, in fact, all the way to 1947 is when uh, Britain plundered India, okay?
Okay. But we discussed that. And in that context, we talked about how um, Britain realized that they couldn't fight these many wars on different fronts. So they created what I call a quote unquote liberal imperialism. They realized that it was very expensive for them to control countries by pure subjugation, which means coming in there, shooting people, having armies, military, it's very expensive. So what they moved into is a liberal imperialist model where in many of these countries, they found their local lackeys. Like here you see Nehru, who was essentially a British guy, I mean, dressed in Indian garb. Uh, he was banging uh, Mountbatten here, his wife, here's Mountbatten, who was the emperor of India, and they literally were having a relationship, okay? And, but the British put Nehru into um, love uh, to, to, um, to run India, right? So the British were very clever. Instead of imposing their will on the Indian people, were starting to rebel. You see, the, they realized that the darkies were starting to rebel, and they did this in Africa too. Um, and thank you very much, um, Irma. Uh, so instead of trying to overtly oppress the masses, they bring in a brown guy, sort of a brown guy, brown looking guy, white brown looking guy, Nehru with a hat on. So he looks like he's legitimate. And they have Mountbatten install him. And Mountbatten, from all reports, was having all sorts of pedophilia relationships, apparently with other people. So he didn't really care if his wife was banging the future prime minister of India. OK, but that's what was going on. And they were very close. Here's Nehru and Edwina hanging out. And then obviously Gandhi was parachuted in to ameliorate all these differences because the Indians in the 1900s really wanted to have a bottoms up revolutionary movement. In the 1900s, many, many countries were fighting colonialist powers all over the world. And they wanted to have good revolutions to get rid of the yoke of uh, colonialism. And what the British did very cleverly was instead of hitting those people directly, they found local Uncle Toms. So in Africa, they found, you know, the uh, uh, local black leaders there to suppress their own people. So they did it, um, remote controlled it, okay? So that's what we talked about last week. And what I ended with that discussion was really saying how Queen Elizabeth, starting in 1952 to 2022, during those 70 years, really represented the kinder, I kept saying kindlier, I really meant, or kindler, I meant to say kinder last time, and gentler imperialist. That's what she was. So the face of this, you know, woman with her little bonnet hat um, was really the persona that was developed to make all of us feel, oh, uh, you know, a little old lady, you know, she's not really going to do anything to harm me, right? That kind of thing, okay? But the reality was what we have now in the world is essentially a liberal imperialism. It's imperialism, people get screwed, but what really is happening is it's done with the face of this kind of uh, quote unquote sweetness, okay? So that's what we talked about. Today, I wanna talk about King Charles coming to power and what that means. As you know, his, the, the queen has died and this fellow here, Charles, uh, I think he's 73 or something has taken over. So now we have King Charles III who continues this kinder and gentler imperialism, okay? And this is his latest photo that came out, okay? So this is, uh, oops, I gotta share this, sorry about that. So this is, let me go back. This is what I was saying was, you have uh, the recent queen has passed away and now 
Charles, King Charles is now the kinder and gentler imperialist, okay? So this is where we're at. So how did we get here? Who, how did we get to King Charles? Okay, quick history lesson, okay? Let's go over the history here so everyone understands. And I'm gonna go back to uh, 1066. Now, why is 1066 important? 1066 is when William the Conqueror, and you may wanna make some notes. You may wanna, in fact, do a little timeline, is when William the Conqueror, you know, who was really French, you know, remember, we're looking at the United Kingdom, that island. So various people have conquered that island. So William the Conqueror in 1066 comes. And that was really so, that became the House of Normandy. Remember, Charles today is a House of Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R. But it starts at 1066. Before that, it was the Saxon kings, you know, Edward. But I want to uh, choose 1066 because that's when William the Conqueror comes in. And that's about 956 years ago. Okay, so we're looking at 956 years ago, this monarchy has been going on, probably even longer than that. So you have William the Conqueror, who's actually French, conquers the island, uh, French, and it's called really the House of Normandy. And that goes on from 1066 all the way to 1154, okay? So roughly about 100 years. And then you have a different house that takes over, and that was a house of Plantagius. Okay, it's hard to pronounce this. And that was Henry II. Okay. And what you have to understand is among all of these kings and queens and lords at the time, there were always, you know, different houses or different um, elite groups, right? The elites have their own um, uh, competition. So the house of Plantagius takes over. That also is French, but a different house. And that begins in 1154 with Henry II, okay? And that goes on until 1349 for probably, you know, another 200 years, okay? Uh, 200, yeah, about 200 years, right? So that's the House of Plantagius. And then um, you have the House of Lancaster. That's another sort of offshoot within, fr among the French, and that begins with Henry IV. Okay, and that goes from 1349 all the way to 1461, okay? So that's another 100 years. So you see House of Normandy, House of Plantagius, and then you have the House of, and I, I could be pronouncing that wrong, so forgive me, and then House of Lancaster. And then starting in 1461, you have Edward IV come, who's also of French background, who's a House of York, okay? Different fraternities, right? Different fraternities are running the kingdom. And that goes on from 1461. It's about short-lived for about 24 years to 1485. And then you have, and this is some important developments take place. This is Henry VII comes in, and he's not French, but he's Welsh, right? So different racial, ethnic background, um, and different competitors, and that's called the House of Tudors. So that's Henry VII. And some of you, if you remember Shakespeare, what ends up happening is, uh, in 1534, so it's 1485, still within the House of Tudors, Henry VIII comes in. Remember, Henry VIII is a guy who wanted to divorce his wife. And remember, up until this standpoint, it's all Catholicism. These people are still reporting to the Pope, okay? All of the kings are part of the Vatican and the Pope. Got it? All right. So uh, the house, uh, the... Uh, Henry VIII comes in and he wants to actually divorce his wife, his queen. And that's not allowed 
in Catholicism. So what he does, he says, you know what, screw you to the Pope, because he wants to marry Anne Boleyn. And by the way, he had killed many, many different women, had many wives, and uh, but he wants to marry Anne Boleyn. So he says, I'm going to be my own Pope. And that's when you have the Church of England get created. And that is in 1534, okay? 1534, you have Henry VIII becomes the head of the Church of England, the Pope, and he's also the King of England, okay? And still to this day, remember, King Charles is also the head of the Church of England, right? The Protestant Church, okay? And that goes on between 1485 to 1603, again, roughly about 150 years, 120 years, 150 years, whatever you want to take it. That's when the House of Tudors run under the Welsh. Then you have James I comes in. Now, James I was Scottish. And it's fascinating how Britain got, uh, uh, or the United Kingdom also or um, brought in Scotland was, uh, he was also the King of Scotland. He was James VII, the King of Scotland. So they did a merger. And that's the House of Stuarts. Okay, and that goes from 1603 all the way to 1714. So about another 110 years, okay? Uh, all the way up to, up until Queen Anne, all right? Um, so again, you went from House of Normandy, House of Plantagius, House of Lancaster, House of York, House of Tudors, House of Stuarts, okay? So you went from the French to the Welsh to the Scottish, all right? Great. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, someone says, Henry VIII, no, I'm going to be Pope now. Exactly. That's what happened. So he created his own thing. So um, then something interesting happens in 1714. George I comes in because what happens is Queen Anne, who is part of the House of Stuarts, she didn't have an heir. Right. But a related family who's in the House of Hanover, Germans, House of Hanover was Germans. George I then becomes a queen, a king because Queen Anne did not have an heir. And that's 1714. So between 1714 all the way to 1901, the House of Hanover ran. Or, you know, uh, that's for close to 200 years. And remember, these are some profound events that take place under the House of Hanover. The American Revolution takes place, as we know, in 1776. And that was George III who was in the lineage of George I, okay? So George III is who the American Revolution uh, took place under. And in 1901, uh, the last queen as a part of the House of Hanover was Victoria. And many people say that they switched from Victoria to um, George um, uh, Edward the Seventh the, the, uh, um, because the the... Britain wanted to essentially destroy Kaiser Wilhelm, who was German. So Germans fighting Germans didn't look good, right? They didn't want that. So, you know, it didn't make sense because actually Victoria and Kaiser Wilhelm, I've done in a previous video, they're very close. So in order to do a different ruse, they bring in, uh, there was a brief period for between 1901 and 1910, there was a house of Saxe, Coburs, Gotha, and that was Edward VII. That was only for about nine years. And then you have what we have today, the House of Windsor. So the House of Windsor really starts in 1910, with George V, okay? So remember that. Now, what you got to remember about George V was that George V um, had, his son was Edward VIII, if I remember right. 
And Edward VIII comes into power in 1936. So George V goes from 1910 to 1936. And his son Edward VIII takes over. But Edward VIII wanted to marry a divorcee, who had, a woman who had been divorced twice. So he was forced to abdicate. So he only ruled for 11 months between January of 1936 to December of 1936. And his brother, George VI, took over. Okay? It's a very important thing. And George VI is Queen Elizabeth's father. So Queen Elizabeth came to power only because her uncle abdicated his throne because he wanted to marry. He fell in love with a woman who was twice divorced, and that was against British whatever formalism to do that. By the way, that rule got changed in 2002. So George the sixth comes into 1936, and then you have Queen Elizabeth in 1952. And 70 years later, we have now this fellow, Charles III. So what you want to really think about is this is a long movie, everyone. It's a long movie of a bunch of very elite monarch families running the United Kingdom and for that matter, the world. So when we, you, you can't just look at this one slice in the movie, which is, oh my God, the queen has died. That 70 years only represents, you know, less than about 7% of this entire long lineage that's been going on for 956 years and probably before, but I'm looking from William the Conqueror. Everyone get it? So from over 956 years from 1066 today, I just traced all these different elite competitive homes, still one big family. They may have some minor differences who've been running the United Kingdom and for that matter, the world. The key thing to remind ourselves is that it was during the House of Hanover and during the transition to House of Windsor, that when all the looting, the modern looting of the world took place, in fact, the massive wealth buildup of, of that this fellow has now came from the pillaging of India. It really did. $43 trillion. Okay? So I just walked you through this entire history. Okay? Now, when we look at Charles, what does he really represent? Okay? And why is this, why is this entire funeral that's taking place so interesting? And I want to ask anyone, how many of you have seen the movie The Godfather? How many of you guys have seen The Godfather? If you've seen The Godfather, and I've seen it many, many times, um, and I'm sure some of you also have, right? Do you remember the scene where Vito Corleone uh, dies and they have the funeral, right? If you remember the funeral, there are people who show up to the funeral. You know, there's Michael Corleone and other people, right? And it is at this funeral where Barzini shows up. You have all the deals being made, okay? The realignment occurs, okay? Meaning, the and it's fascinating to see how all the world's leaders are paying homage. Yes, she ruled for 70 years. Trump writes this uh, requiem. I'm sure he didn't write it. Um, into the Daily Mail and uh, everyone, right? And what's so it's like the funeral is, is occurring and all these, the, the alliances are realigning themselves or reasserting their homage. And in fact, this is who's going to the uh, qu uh, Queen's funeral. You can see 
all these leaders from uh, Justin Trudeau to French to uh, all the Commonwealth, okay? All the puppets, all the places that the Queen still runs. Um, even Modi has not confirmed, even Saudi and uh, China have not confirmed going, but you can see who's going and who isn't. And it really gives you, exa exactly, someone just said, uh, someone said here, yes, deals behind the curtains, exactly. So that's really what's going on, right? So that's the background I wanted to give you. Why did I want to give you this background? Because what we need to understand is that the royalty in Britain and the amount of attention that's paid every day since I was a kid, right? And since many of you have been alive, there's not one newspaper that doesn't push the queen the queen or the king or Diana or Meghan Markle or, I mean, every day we're hit with this crap, right? Why is there so much attention on the royalty? Why? Now, we're made to believe that the royalty is just some, you know, titular thing. It's just some Disneyland, you know, nothing to see here. It's just like all nice people. Well, the reality is that the royalty has immense amount of wealth. Uh, on the record, the royal family has around $21 billion in wealth. And they have many different estates that they own, that they have billions of dollars. We don't even know what their personal wealth is, okay? What's also fascinating is that the royalty doesn't follow the rules of the commoners still to this day, even now. If I, you know, or if you pass away and you have a million dollars and you pass that on to your child, or you, it's, there's an inheritance tax in the United States and most countries, even in Britain. In the U.S., it's close to 50, 60 percent. Guess what? Charles can transfer his billions to 20 billion or Queen Elizabeth can transfer that wealth to Charles with paying zero, zero estate tax, no estate tax at all. OK. One rule for them and another rule for the rest of us. OK. But more importantly, we need to understand something quite profound that the Queen of England and this monarchy of England still runs England, okay? Meaning that the power of the Queen is still in full force. It's literally the secret weapon. She can, she can literally erase Parliament overnight and put the Privy Council into power. People say, oh, that, that can't happen. And we'll talk about that it has happened, okay? And I'll give you an example of this. So everyone wakes up and recognizes that the monarchy that I just went through from 1066 to Charles has not died. They're the monarchy that ruled the United States, that ruled India, never went away. It's still full and live, and it's absolutely potent. The queen, every bill is authorized by her. She meets with Parliament, she used to, and Charles will do the same thing. They still have an iron control over Parliament, and they can evaporate and abolish it at any time. But we are led to believe, the quote-unquote, we, the ignorant masses, through all this propaganda, oh, the Queen is just this nice woman, and she wears her little outfits, and she's a sweet old woman, and Charles is, you know, his stupid speech I just went through. Oh, I'm all about service. I'm all about service. Well, even an article in the New York Times came out yesterday saying 
how she had about a $940 million in wealth and Charles is close to $2 billion, how over the last years he's built himself into a corporate empire. His estates have explosively grown, okay? Now, to make it very clear, this royalty at any point can exercise its power in any of the Commonwealth countries and even if someone is elected by the people bottoms up, they can abolish it. How many people knew that? Right. How many people knew that? Well, let me give you an example that you won't read in the New York Times readily or in other newspapers because they want people to forget about this. And I'm going to read you a couple of ex excerpts of this very, very important incident that took place in 1970. Some of you may know this guy, Golf Whitlam. The Australian, I don't know if I, oh, Gog Whitlam, uh, Whitlam, the Australian prime minister was deposed by the monarchy. This guy, Gog Whitlam, was, you know, he was a reformist. I don't know all of his politics, but he seems like someone who was elected bottoms up by people. He comes into power. He opposes the Vietnam War, but he was elected as a prime minister of Australia. Elected by, in the, and what occurred, and this is not, you know, in, um, this is not, you know, in the in 1200. This is not in 1300. This is in 1972. The queen came, swooped in, and threw him out and appointed her own prime minister. That's the power that the monarchy still holds. It's not something titular. So let me read you, and we can follow along here, okay? It's a very interesting article. It says, Go Whitlam, the Australian Social Democrat Prime Minister, deposed by Elizabeth II, has died uh, aged 98. So this is an article that's written in 2015, and he died in, 19, uh, in uh, 2014. It says, a former Labor Prime Minister Australia, Gog Whitlam, has died aged 98. In a long life, uh, one event stands out, his dismissal as elected prime minister by the direct representative of Queen Elizabeth II. So let me repeat this again, that sweet old liberal imperialist. She actually deposed, which means did a coup, in Australia. All right. That's what happened in Australia. Um, so let's look at that. So what happened here, I'll read it to you. Whitlam opposed the U.S. war in Vietnam and in Australia's participation. When he took office in 1972, he wrote to U.S. Um, Hey, Heather, is there someone who's, someone says, uh, let's see, who do we have here? One second. Let me just see if we have something here. Okay, so let me go back to this. So Whitlam opposed the war in Vietnam and Australia's participation in it. When he took office in 1972, he wrote to U.S. President Richard Nixon. Remember, U.S. was involved in uh, the Vietnam War um, and uh, when he took office in 1972, he wrote to U.S. President Richard Nixon urging a de-escalation of the war. So Whitlam, the Australian Prime Minister, writes to uh, Richard Nixon and then criticized the U.S. bombing of the civilian targets over the Christmas period. Whitlam had presided over Labor's first federal election win since 1946. So it was basically Whitlam was elected by the working people of Australia. Okay. Key to that victory was his promise to end Australian involvement in the Vietnam War to end conscription and to release those jailed for refusing the draft. 
This sent Nixon into a frenzy of anger. He described Whitlam's stance as absolute outrage. In addition, Whitlam had promised to normalize relations with China. Having visited Beijing in 1971, unknown to him, Kissinger was secretly visiting Chinese capital at the time. It would be Nixon and Kissinger who in 1972, after a dramatic flight to Beijing, ended Washington's refusal to recognize the People's Republic of China, itself tribute to the stinging defeat the 1949 revolution had inflicted in the U.S. ambitions in the Far East. This supposed triumph, aimed at isolating both Russia and North Vietnam, did not stop the U.S. wanting to stop Australia. So anyway, Nixon was pissed off. Whitlam was supporting uh, the Vietnamese people, in a sense, and wanted, did not want uh, Australia to fight in that war, did not want... Uh, uh, anyone who wanted to get out of the draft being thrown in jail. And he also wanted to normalize relations with China. And the United States did not, let me make this a little bit bigger, uh, the United States did not want um, Australia having good relations with China, okay? And this is what gets interesting, okay? Tape recordings from the White House uncovered during the inquiry into Nixon's hugging, bugging of, of his U.S. presidential opponents' election headquarters have Nixon and his Secretary of State Kissinger agreed they would freeze Whitlam for a few months so that he would get the message. That's where it gets interesting. More chilling are the words of CIA officer Victor Marchetti, who had helped set up the U.S. Pine Gap base equivalent to GCHQ, who told John Pilger this threat to close Pine Gap caused epilepsy uh, in the White House. Consequences were inevitable. A kind of chili was set in motion. Okay. The references is to the buildup of the 11th September 1973 coup in Chile, which overthrew the left-wing government of Salvador Allende, uh, resulting in the murder of him and 30,000 left-wingers. Some of you may know it was the United States government, uh, a president in Chile had been elected. The U.S., through the CIA, overthrew a democratically elected uh, president of Chile. Okay, Allende. All right. So what occurs here is under the rule of the liberal Prime Minister Sir Robert Menzies and his successors, Australia, had been the most loyal of the loyal allies of both Washington and London. Remember, Whitlam was not of the liberal. He was of labor, okay? Employing anti-communism with zeal during the 1950s. Now, Whitlam seemed to be taking the country in a different direction. The Australian elite were unsettled by Whitlam's implementation of some of the measures in his manifesto, free university education, the withdrawal from Vietnam, land rights for the indigenous population, like giving land rights to the Aborigines, equal pay for women, and so on. Most of this happened early in the government. The right controlled the Senate and uses to lock government legislation. Anyway, this is what's important that took place. This is what really happened, okay? One close, I'm sorry, here it is. Sensing the tide might have turned against Whitlam, Washington appointed a man known as a coup master, Marshall Green, as ambassador in Canberra. He had played a central role in the 1965 coup against President Sukarno in Indonesia, during which Indonesian army butchered up to a million communists and nationalists using lists supplied by the CIA and MI6. By now, MI6 was bugging cabinet meetings on behalf of the CIA and U.S. operatives were present in the upper echelons of the Labor Party and the trade union. So basically, the United States in conjunction with Britain, wanted to get rid of Whitlam, a populist um, a prime minister elected bottoms up, okay? That's what happened, all right? So what happens here? Let's go back. So one close CIA ally, and this is the important point here, was Governor General of Australia, Sir John Kerr, 
Queen Elizabeth II's representative. The Queen was as and is head of state of Australia. On 10th November, Kerr visited the headquarters of the Defense Signals Directorate. So John Kerr, knighted by the Queen, her he's a governor general, direct report to the Queen, visits the Defense Signals Directorate, the equivalent of the NSA, NSA for security briefing. Afterwards, he spent 20 minutes on a secure phone talking to someone unknown, perhaps a queen. The next day, Whitlam was sent set to announce the extent of CIA infiltration of the Australian state machine and government in parliament. Before he could do so, he was informed by Care, which is essentially the queen. He had been sacked, fired as the elected prime minister. Care was using the powers. Everyone listen to this. Vested in him. As a representative of the Queen, the Queen still has a power to appoint and dismiss the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom and the Governor General in Commonwealth countries where she remains heads of, of state exercise that power. In her, go Whitlam, a moment in history, Jenny Hawkins points out that two months earlier, Kerr had decided the possible dismissal of Whitlam when both attended Papua New Guinea. Point is this, okay? This is 1972. The queen has complete control of all of the Commonwealth countries. King Charles, if he wanted to, could just, if, if let's say a bottoms up movement took place in England today and someone on, you know, someone in Britain who is, bottoms up from the working people came up from the ranks and became the prime minister. I guarantee you King Charles will make one phone call to the Privy Council, abolish parliament and throw out the prime minister. So it's all bullshit. Remember, Britain does not and listen carefully has no constitution. There is no first amendment in Britain. So we are all been led to believe and we're inundated with this garbage that the monarchy is just some Disneyland. No, it has absolute power. So what's happening is the media, the U.S. media, the British media, the global media keeps promoting the Queen and Harry and the Duchess and all these, frankly, people who don't work for a living. They, they have robbed money. Their wealth is based on trillions of dollars stolen from working people, black, white, red, all over the planet. They don't work. They get about a half a billion dollars in aid. <laughs> Talk about socialism. They get socialism. They get welfare. They get about a billion down there, half a billion for their family members. They get about a billion dollars in aid to keep up the palace and all this. And we're led to believe this is the joke. You are led to believe we're led to believe that this is just, oh, it's just, oh, it's just some um, thing that we're just keeping alive, you know, it's just all uh, purely just, um, you know, for show, okay? It's to preserve history. Bullshit. The whole thing is absolute power. And we have to understand it was Britain, the British Empire, who burned down the White House in the United States. It was during all, of, if you look all over Africa, all over these many countries, it was a British empire, Ireland, black and white, brown and, and black, that Britain has wielded, the British empire, not the British people, has wielded massive power, 
Okay. So we, as the masses, the peasants need to get our head out of our, you know what, and recognize that this is not just a titular title. This King Charles, this Elizabeth II, this entire list I walked you through, the monarchy is still alive. It's a, and it's not any one individual. King Charles, you know, when you see me put up this face of King Charles, okay, it is not an individual, okay? You know, this is not an individual here that runs, it, he represents imperial, colonial, monarchy power. He represents these families. That's what he's the face of. He represents all of those families which project this royalty. They project to the masses that you should feel so good about the queen. It's like total bloody brainwashing. And this brainwashing, now let's come back to the Atlantic, to the United States, is live and well here. Is you see the Kennedys, oh, the royalty of America, Hollywood. And when you see Trump, you see him in his gold glittered thing. I'm sorry. It's like we're, all these people are royalty and many of these people never earn money on, by themselves. They got inherited wealth. And we are taught to believe that these people are somehow that we should think they're the ones who are going to save us. And it's quite amazing that this brainwashing occurs every two years, every four years, every coronation. But the reality is this, okay? This is what's really going on. Throughout the history of humankind, we, the slaves, try to rise up and try to exercise more freedom. The working people, people will actually produce everything we see around us. We try to rise up. We try to get more freedom, more rights, et cetera, truth, freedom, and health. And at every time we rise up, the elites are very clever, okay? So they gave us the right to vote. Okay, shit. In America, the mer merchants, oh my God, we got, you know, it was one elite class against another. We got to bring these peasants to fight for us. Okay, we're going to give them the First Amendment. We'll give them the Second Amendment. We'll give them the right to vote, okay? But they will take one step forward, but go two steps backward also meaning still keeping imperial power in their hands. And that's what we're witnessing today in the United States. We're witnessing the legal, the judicial systems, the legislative systems are all bought and paid for. The election systems, as we've talked about. So what we see is it's, oh yeah, we gave you the right to vote. But when the shit hits the fan, we're going to tell you exactly what to do. And that is no different than the overt way that the monarchy runs. If the shit hits the fan with one stroke of the pen in England, King Charles, okay, never worked a day in his life, plays polo all day, can make one phone call, call the Privy Council and put up whoever he wants. The people of Britain really have no freedom. In America, we're led to believe because we have a couple of freedoms that everything's fine. But the reality is these freedoms were hard-earned gains, and they could evaporate like that.
So the stupidity of what's taking place today is that, and the intelligence of what the elites are doing in the United States, for example, they divide people into left and right. I had a friend of mine call me, he goes, he's all excited. Oh my God, this woman won in New Hampshire. Isn't it great? I said, Frank, I said, you're getting lost in WWE again. You see, there are a couple of signals that you can look to, to know when the, those in power are really in trouble. Now listen very carefully. Three signals I'm going to share with you. One of those signals is when you start seeing the elites fighting among each other. That's one signal, okay? And when you see their laundry being aired out publicly, we see that in Britain. The pedophile uh, uh, supporter, right? The Andrew guy, Prince Andrew, was hanging out with uh, a convicted pedophile, Jeffrey Epstein. That was out in the open. You see the fight between Meghan Markle and those people. That's out in the open. You see all the problems that Charles has had, okay? King Diana. So you see the elites openly airing their differences. In the United States, we see the elites openly fighting Biden, Trump. They're the same. I'm sorry. They're the same elites. You are, you're, we're all the peasants, okay? Don't think one wing of the establishment is better than the other. But what we're seeing, one of the signals is that you see that the elites are openly fighting among each other. First signal. The second signal that we're seeing that gives an understanding of the weakness of the elites is when the middle class people start saying, hey, wait a minute. Why am I supporting this left or right nonsense? That's starting to happen. And by the way, when that starts happening, those in power know this. So they will always want to entertain you and bring you back into supporting one wing of the elites. So they'll let some young girl in New Hampshire win. Okay. Or, or say, oh my God, see, she won an election. And all the Trumpers will be, oh my God, she won an election. That great. WWE, Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That's all that is. The most important thing, the third thing, it will be when people consciously start understanding this bullshit of left versus right, that it's all garbage. And that's why our movement exists. Because the only way we're going to win any true freedom, truth, freedom, and health, is when we have a bottoms-up movement. And that has occurred through history. But the number one governing principle of those in power is to make sure that working people don't build a bottoms-up movement. I'm not saying build a bottoms-up movement and, you know, uh, support King Charles. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a true bottoms-up movement, okay? And someone said online called the public misconceptions of royalties practically synonymous with holy perpetuated by their MSM minions. No one else but Dr. Shiva is delivering the light of truth. Thank you. Thank you very much for your donation. But this is what we're talking about. And the reason I'm doing this at 9, 10 p.m. is I want all of you guys to wake the F up. If you have any illusions about the Queen or the Trumps or the Bidens or the Kennedys or all these people, you have to eliminate that illusion. I have some more stuff to share with you because when I share you the statistics, what's actually going on to the British people, it should get you really, really angry, okay? And let go of all the vestiges of feudalism, okay? Let me share something with you to bring this. Um, if, and I encourage all of you to go visit the truthfreedomandhealth.com site because you have to understand the physics here, okay? If you go to the site, it says get educated or be enslaved. And what we have created here is a system, a system where you can get street smart. You will learn how systems work. 
You will get books, you'll get training. But most importantly, I want you to really look at this diagram here, okay? This is where most people are at. There's lots of information, but the establishment hits you with ignorance. So you live in illusion. Oh, the poor queen. Oh, wasn't she great? She was a nice woman. Da, 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 da. This leads to confusion. So people are in the left or right, complacency or desperation. Okay. And that's exactly where they're, those in power want people. They want people to be absolutely dumb. Okay. And our goal is to make people smart, wisen up to understand what this face really represents. This face really represents a face of royalty. The royalty of Britain, it represents the royalty of Hollywood. I mean, you notice they call it the Hollywood royalty or the, the, you know, the Kennedys were royal. Why? Why are we using royalty when so many people bled and died in America, particularly the American working class and all those working people all over the world to fight against monarchies? And what I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is that the empire is strong and well. And the empire does not want people to have truth, freedom, or health. Because while we're all being forced through all this media to mourn, you know, this sort of nonsense, let's look at the reality of what's going on in Britain, right in Britain, okay? Let's look at the reality. Well, if you look at the data, and this just came out a couple of years ago, okay, the poverty situation in Britain has not changed. I mean, it's still, I mean, the numbers are quite ast astounding, okay? Let me show you some of them, all right? This is the reality in Britain, all right? More than one in five of the UK population, and this has been flat, okay? 30% of children are in poverty, okay? 30%. One in five UK population are in poverty, 14.5 million people. Of these 8.5, 1 million are working age adults, 4.3 million are children, and 2.1 million are pensioners. When we use the term poverty, we are using the relative poverty rate after housing costs to measure poverty. Okay, that's one article. This came out in The Guardian just recently, about less than a year ago. Poverty rate among working households in UK is the highest. I skip meals, the kids don't, but I do. 14 million people in poverty, okay? So you're talking about a monarchy which doesn't fucking work a day in its life. Excuse my language. And I have, you know, a friend of mine said, his wife is watching the queen. She was there. Wasn't she nice? Like, this is the stupidity that the elites want people to live in. They want people to be the ignorant masses. And with that stupidity, they then pickpocket you. Okay? That's what's been going on. But you got to understand, the elites give something and, and they only give a little bit after hard-fought battles on the ground in the 1900s and people rose up all over the world. But when they give something, they, have, they take two steps back and they have something else to pick your pockets. And you have to understand that dynamic. So when they give something... It doesn't mean we sit on our laurels. We have to use that something to advance the movement. So the movement has to be something that is a constant struggle for truth, freedom, and health. That dynamic, that physics I just shared with you is why 
I push all of you guys. That's why I keep running that ticker down here, which says truthfreedomhealth.com. You have to understand the system. And we've created the curriculum, the community, et cetera, so all of you guys can learn it. And I hope you take advantage of it. And what is that system? Let me go back to that. When you understand that the elites smear you every day with ignorance, so you either get depressed or you become complacent and you believe in this nonsense that the queen is just some nice old woman or the Kardashians or the Kennedys are just nice old people. They're not. They're part of the royalty. And when push comes to shove, they will not be on the side of working people. So when you look at what occurred in Australia, the working people were coming bottoms up. They elected somebody and the queen came in and went, nope, out of here. And you saw in Massachusetts, when someone like me runs bottoms up, when the elites do not want ever people coming bottoms up. Yeah, they give you the right to vote, but they keep ways they can, that they can control these things. And that's what's fascinating about all this. And that's why you can't just sit on your laurels. You can't just say, oh, we got the Bill of Rights. We have the First Amendment, okay, everything. No, these, those gains that any little gain the slave got, a little bread, maybe a little piece of land, was from masses of people fighting over many, many hundreds of years. And then we go as we don't want to be dumb, ignorant masses. We don't just say, okay, we got this. Let's go now support Trump. Trump's going to help us. Biden, or if you're Bernie's going to help us. Obama's going to help us. Bullshit. They're all part of the elites. They may have their own feuds, but they don't give a damn about you. The queen doesn't give a damn about you. King Charles doesn't give a damn about you. But why do you give so much of a damn about them? That's a question. This is a question that everyone needs to ask. And so when you look at the statistics in Britain, and if there's people from the United Kingdom on here, and I'm sure there are, you know, the poverty rates in Britain, one out of five people is in poverty. One out of, you know, 3.3 children are in poverty. 30%, okay? 31%. One out of two pensioners. So in the midst of all of that, people are giving money to these people. And the elites are sitting there laughing at the masses. Jeff Beast, I mean, I don't really care about the woke, anti-woke. But there was some, apparently some woman who was a professor in Philadelphia who said, oh, I'm going to jump on the grave of the queen, right? Well, it's very interesting seeing fucker, sorry, sucker, Tucker Carlson, you know, trying to make it woke versus anti-woke. It has nothing to do with that. That's what they do. They make it woke versus anti-woke when it's really about the fact. And you will, you will only get that analysis here because we take a systems approach that the queen and the monarchy really represent liberal imperialism, okay? They manipulate through friendly faces, through Tom Cruise, through the Kennedys in the United States, through royalty. They screw you that way. And, they, and you, most people, you know, are so enamored by these celebrities and garbage, the royalty. And that brainwashing is, is what needs to be broken.
So what does King Charles really mean? I told you what Queen Elizabeth meant in my last video. What she really means, what she represents is liberal imperialism. We're going to screw you, not directly. We're going to use different people to screw you, okay? And you'll feel good because you'll think they're representing you, but they're really not. King Charles, you're going to see him being much more overt. His whole speech was about service, service, service. It's all bullshit. He's never served anyone except himself. But they'll talk about we're helping the poor, we're saving rhinoceroses in Africa, carbon tax, that's his big thing, the environment. It's all about screwing working people. And it's time that people get their heads out of their ass and recognize we need to truly build a bottoms up movement. And the left wing, the left and the right aren't on your side. It's not going to come from queens. It's not going to come from celebrities. It's going to come from people like you and I. And what's so profound about the truth, freedom, and health system and the movement that we've created, it's truly bottoms up. And I want all of you, I encourage all of you to come to our orientation, which we're doing tomorrow. You have to learn that you can't, you can't say, well, I don't know what to do because our movement exists right now. Our movement, when I go to this website right here, you, everyone should go to Truth Freedom and Health, is the solution. And there is no other solution on this planet. If it was, I'd just be doing Cytosol all day in my science. But I can't because we've also discovered this system. You're going to learn the foundations of systems. And I want you to go through the site. We're a global community. I have 360,000 people in 95 countries. And you can go through and listen to stories after story after story of everyday working people coming together. And if you want to follow this world, you're going to be in the left or right wing, get manipulated by the latest flavor of Trump or the latest version of Bernie, or you're going to be desperate, you're going to get complacent. And you're going to be divided, complacent, and desperate. Or you're going to follow one, uh, some guru who's not going to do jack shit for you. You're going to follow this fool, Bernie, or AOC on the left, or Alex Jones, who's printing money by talking, getting people all enraged, or Joe Rogan, who's too little, too late, or fucker Carlson. Or Trump. He may say a bunch of things, but at the end of the day, he did everything that his masters wanted. He printed $6.9 trillion. Obama printed $8 trillion. He kept Fauci around. You can't make any excuses. He's the one who told people to march on, onto the Capitol, and he went the other way. Okay? You got to go look at this. Lock her up. No one got locked up. You know who got locked up? Those people who marched on the Capitol that he told to go do that. Everyday working people. So these people basically get you into this left and right paradigm. They're the royalty, the modern US royalty, no different than the queen. This is the face of the modern US. And you got this Indian guy here, Sadhguru, okay? Complete bullshitter. So what's the solution? The solution is you have to get wise. You have to become your own guru. I'm just a catalyst. I can just share with you knowledge. You have to learn knowledge. See, knowledge is not information. Knowledge is far different than information. Knowledge is learning how to think. You have to learn how to fucking think. Excuse me, how to freaking think. And knowledge will teach you the science of systems and that'll get you wise and you'll get clarity. And when you get clarity, you become active. You start connecting with your neighbors. You don't. You stop watching the Kardashians. You stop, you know, feeling sorry for the king and the queen and all these bullshitters or Trump, his raid or garbage because they're just making money off the shit. 
You get on the ground, you meet people, you start innovating, you start getting organized, you start talking to your neighbors. You don't start just sharing dumbass conspiracy videos here and there. You get on the ground. That's what we do every day. Every Thursdays we meet, every Mondays we run classes, and it's us helping another. There's no bottom, there's no top down here. And in order for you to do this, you have to let go of the old system. You have to learn to think. And this is how the world will change. This is what my great grandfather taught me. Education, knowledge, not ignorance, knowledge. And that is what truth, freedom and health is. It is a system. You will get a course that will take you tens of thousands of dollars. You could have taken, it took me 50 years to organize, you get it for pennies. Take it. I'm not here to sell you anything. You contribute and you earn. And when you take this course, you don't graduate unless you teach the course. But you will learn what is a system. You will learn what is the principles of all systems. You will learn what are the enemies. You will learn the theory. You will learn how you can use this system for your own body to make your body healthier. Not only politically, you will get to learn how to teach other people. We have a whole tool for that. You will get one-on-one -on -one discussions, which I'm doing like right now, or one-on-many. on many. And, But most importantly, you get a community of other people so you don't feel alone. And then we give you tools so you can get on the ground and educate your neighbors. And then we've created infrastructure. You can communicate with other Truth, Freedom, and Health community members without big tech. Okay? So I wanted to share all of this with you because... The passing of the queen, queen, quote unquote, queen, the king, quote unquote, king. OK. The war in Ukraine and Russia, what's going on all over the world economically. It is a huge opportunity not to get desperate, not to get complacent, not to go into left or right, but to really not to be fat, dumb and lazy, but to learn. We have a huge opportunity at this point in history, either to go into darkness at an individual level. You can live in darkness and become completely desperate or get into this left-right paradigm and get into entertainment. Oh, Trump today, Biden tomorrow. Oh, this guy's stupid, this guy's smart. Bullshit. Or you have the opportunity to enlighten yourself to, for your own sake, to understand how the universe works, understand the laws of the universe. And that's what system science is. And so... You know, email was a great system I created, but truth, freedom, and health is a system. You will learn knowledge, you will get a community, but most importantly, you'll get access and connection to people who are starting to wake up, not only in a left-right way. I don't, Trumpers, a lot of them, you know, are my friends, great people, but we're trying to move them away from being Trumpers to actually being enlightened people. And it's not about people on the left or the woke people, but to enlighten them to go beyond woke and anti-woke. It's a, it's a big task at hand. But the important thing is we have the tools to do that. So, you know, when you go back and you look at, as I mentioned, this symbol, you know, if you go back to the Godfather, these are families. They're really mafia. And, you know, the queen's death is essentially realignment of the mob. Okay. So all the mobsters are showing up at her wedding. Some are not invited because they're not part of the clique. But this is the new Don. And he is really a Don. He has a lot of power. So go to vashiva.com, understand truth, freedom, and health.
But most importantly, tomorrow, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m., there's no cost. Go to vashiva.com slash orientation. And it's global. You can come at 11 a.m. or 8 p.m. I'll be there and you can communicate. But I hope all of you really recognize, don't take it in a negative way, but see the huge opportunity that we have right now to elevate our consciousness. That's what Truth, Freedom, and Health is. It's a system that will make you wiser. You'll understand the science of systems. So you don't, took me many, many decades to understand that. You'll understand how you can use those same principles to understand politics, your body, anything that works around you. You will literally get smarter, okay? And that's the goal. It's to awaken people so they stop following the royalty, okay? And they get their heads out of you know what. Exactly. It's a huge opportunity. All right? It's a huge opportunity. That's what it is, all right? Let me see if there's any interesting questions. Do we have any questions? All right. It is a great opportunity. Thank you. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow again. Just to let you know, tomorrow it's an open house, Thursday, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Join us. You'll meet some great people. Um, yeah, so Kristen says, Gold, have a nice night. This movement is definitely not for everyone, uh, especially those who don't want to study. Take care. Yeah, look, it's time that people really... Um, not be lazy anymore. We live in a time where it really requires people. I've made this, you know, it took me many, many years of hard work. I've made it. Maybe I made it too easy, but it's accessible. Um, when we try to give it away for free, no one wanted to do it. Uh, you know, people have paid me tens of thousands of dollars. We've made it very easily accessible to everyone. And when you take the course and you finish it, the goals we want to educate our youth, you can give the course away to as many kids as a scholarship, tuition-free to as many kids as you want. So please remember that. It's education. My great-grandfather, who was a poor village farmer, he had no money, but if someone in the local village didn't have a book, he would figure out some way to sell something, you know, work a little bit harder and get a book for the child. Or if they needed a candle, because in those days, you know, they didn't have electricity. If they needed candles, to him, education was the light. And the science of systems is the light. Otherwise, you know, I get lots of emails from people saying, oh, this happened and that happened and this happened. Well, what should we do? And it's always because, and I tell them, come, come to the orientation. And I'm very generous with my time, but I'm getting to a point. I have a couple of books to finish. I have to focus on Cytosol, which can literally go after many of the diseases on the planet. And I still do this, but it really is time for everyone here to really take responsibility I've done as much as I can, but it's time for all of you to build this community. We have the course, we have the community, we have the infrastructure, we've created the tools, but none of you have no more excuses now, After hopefully after this talk, to realize the stupidity of giving any sympathy to this uh, royalty, the vigilance that is needed to recognize every time the elites give you something, they take two steps back. Just because they gave the right to vote doesn't mean you have democracy. Democracy has to be earned every day. And you have to understand the dynamics. So as Kristen said, this movement's not for everyone. It's for those people who are not lazy and who actually want to get off their asses and learn. And we've made it easy for adults to make sure that they can give this to children. No cost, nothing. 
So it's really up to the adults to behave like adults now. All right, everyone, unless there's no other major comments, let me see if there's anything else. I wish you all well. Um, and I will see you tomorrow. I'm going to be doing a video tomorrow on the health side um, on oats, on uh, whether you should eat cooked oats or sprouted oats and the difference, okay? That's what we'll be doing. on. But again, we take a systems approach there. Everything we do here is taking a systems approach, not a left approach, not a right approach. But you have to learn the systems approach. So go to Truth, Freedom, and Health. Become Sign up to become a warrior scholar. If you're not ready to do that, come to the orientation tomorrow, Thursday at 11 or 8 p.m. and meet some awesome people. You'll get inspired, okay? All right. All right, everyone. Thank you. Be well. Be the light. And... Get out of the Trump camp, get out of the Biden camp, get out of the Bernie camp, get out of the Tucker camp. If you're in there like someone, you know, ranting about Biden or Trump or Bernie, uh, you especially need to take the course because um, you're basically a slave uh, and you need to become your own teacher, your own wise being. If you're doing that, uh, you're a slave to the left and the right. Stop doing that. You're hurting yourself. Thank you, everyone. Have a good evening.